Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, uh, Dennis Dick, no Joel. Joel's out today. I don't even know where he is, but he did tell me about this, and I remember it about five minutes ago that he'd be out today but uh you got me you got dennis and we got a lot to get to today first off we got to talk about friday's close you can see some of the action there if you didn't see what happened to shopify uh well pull up that chart we're going to enlighten you as to what happened uh on friday and and why it may have happened and the implications of that uh story of the day uh today is going to be boeing uh, another uh, tragic uh, plane crash, a Boeing plane crashed overnight in China. Uh, so that's going to be your story of the day. Uh, we have some M&A to discuss and a plan. Berkshire Hathaway making a deal. I haven't made a deal like um, this big in a while. Um, Nielsen said no to their deal, so it's trading down on that. Tim Quast is today's guest for Market Structure Mondays. So that's the schedule for the day. Smash, or for, at least for the show, we got a lot more happening after this, obviously. But uh, smash that like button, and uh, here we go. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. All right, because Joel is not here, I will bring up my chart today. We can get a feel for what is happening over in the uh, SPY because... Uh, we like the spy. Futures are cool in the pre-market, but uh, I like the spy because it's simpler to understand the day-to-day action because you can very clearly see. So we are uh, mixed this morning. You can see the spy. I mean, we'll call that flat, right? It's up eight cents. So that to me, that's flat. Uh, and just going across the board, the stock futures broadly flat. Everything is up a little bit or down a little bit. Nasdaq flat. Uh, Russell, same thing. Uh, we'll go to the USO again because it's easier for me to see the different sessions. Oil up uh, 1.3% this morning, continuing uh, the strong uh, uh, week it had last week. So USO up, and I will look at the GLD because, again, I like that over the futures. Gold trading down. Looks like a Bitcoin. I have not looked at Bitcoin today. How is it doing? BTC, USD. What's going on with Bitcoin today? Uh, okay. Flat down forty one bucks. All right, whatever. Let's bring Dennis on. Dennis, good so, morning. How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Weekend was good. Um, not not too much. I don't know. I don't even remember what I did really. I don't do much here. I'm just uh, it's winter time still up here. So still? actually, my kids did some tobogganing. Still, believe it or not, we still have to, we still we still have snow here. No, so, I know it's hard for you to believe in Detroit, but we still have like two feet of snow on the ground. It's yes, starting to melt though. This yes, week. 
this week did some damage because we had 40 degrees multiple days. So it's yeah. starting to melt. Well, I'm not sure what's hotter down here, uh, the weather or the market, because both seem to be like they're turning. Uh, but let's we'll talk about that. But let's start with Friday's close. I saw you tweeting about it. I saw some stuff yeah. on Friday as well. Um, I was we were obviously live at the close, and I was watching to see what would happen into that closing print because we knew we had uh, options expiration. We knew we yeah. had some major index rebalances, uh, and there there was there was a lot of like big. There's always bigger candles right on the close and big volume and. And there was some of that, but there was a couple of stocks that had just like extremely exaggerated moves. Yeah, they did. And I, I guess we should probably start with Shopify because that was the one that set off alarm bells. Um, and it, it was the, one of the craziest closes I've seen probably in the last ten years. Like for just yeah. some stocks, like you said, a lot of stocks did, did a hell of a lot of nothing, but there was some extreme moves in in a couple dozen stocks. And if you look, uh, Shopify, no more extreme move than this, which I don't even know if you can see the print on there, but it's there. So stock had a huge buy imbalance at the close, um, which meaning there's like a big order to buy and didn't get offset, at least not enough, because the DMM took the print up 80 bucks. So what does that mean? It means the stock gapped up $80 on the closing print. Can you show my tweet? Um, just show because we can see the actual trade, which I took a screenshot of from the time and sales window because it's a good educational tool, too. This is why you also never use market on close orders because sometimes you get market order and it can just go crazy. So you can see the stock trading $6.99 and the New York print was five minutes late because they're trying to put it together. Um, they're still on New York. There's still a human being. That actually helps. And obviously automated systems help to do it too, but they're still putting it together. 821,000 shares traded up $80. So if you see the official close on Shopify is $780. It was trading around 680 when the buy-in balance, I guess, you know, must have posted. I actually missed this one. Um, I was trading a lot of stocks and it was a really good close, but I missed this one. Um, stock gaps up the $80 on the close, 821,000 shares. If you do the quick math on that, that's about $65 million on that order too high, meaning that order was printed 80 points above where it probably should have been. So somebody pissed away 65 million bucks there and not saying it's one person, it's whoever was on the MOC buy side, though that money would go to whoever is selling it. And there's multiple traders that actually reached out to me. A few people got that sold if you had a limit order sitting out in the nyc and it was you know you didn't get picked off right before the close you would have been executed at 780 so you would have had your 710 715 720 sitting there loc on the new york stock exchange you would have got printed at 780 dollars a share and what's interesting too is the repercussions from all of this so one thing to consider is it's trade 780 and it was immediately back down you can see that print is just an outlier it's yep. trading down $72. There's no chance you're getting 780 here, you know, unless we have a ridiculous market rally. But, you know, it's not opening up here. It's not like it's back at 780. It's not like it's really down 72 points. It really should have never closed up there. But it did. And what does that mean? Well, anybody who's got options is those will go to automatic exercise. The OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation, will automatically execute anything that's in the money. 
So if you had, let's just say, some hypothetical situations, and there was a lot of open interest, but let's say you had the 750 calls on Shopify. Well, the official close is 780. So OCC will see you 30 points in the money, and they would automatically exercise your 750 calls. So you could come into your your um, and come in this morning into your account and see I bought Shopify at 750 on my call. What happened? I'm like, well, the official close is 780. So you buy at 750, you're down 43 points right now. So kind of vomity when you think about the you know the fallout from all of that. And there was a lot of open interest on those those weekly calls. So what you would have to do in that case is actually go to your brokerage and know to go this, call your brokerage, whatever it is. Um, an interactive brokerage is called LAPS. You just go and automate and just hit, I don't want to exercise the option. But you would have to actually say, do not exercise. DNE it, LAPS, there's different words for it, depending on which brokerage you're using. But you don't want to exercise those 750 calls because there's no chance you can be able to sell at 780. So, and because the prints already happened. So just long story short is there's probably some traders that got exercised on those calls this morning and they're down a lot of money if they weren't, you know, you could have even been like, oh, I had the 725 calls, maybe you left for the day. And you're like, well, that's no chance. And you left it open. So it's a good learning experience. You shouldn't leave your calls open ever. And if you are leaving, you should give them the do not exercise notification in case something like this happens. Again, I haven't seen a stock gap up like this in a long, long time, not much. So it's rare to see something like this. But there's some call buyers that probably got screwed on this. Don't leave them open at expiration. Is, is, is Yeah, you could close them out, just sell out the options, or, or send your you know notification. If it's out of the money, you just say, do not exercise. And then the OCC will not exercise you. if you Because it's an option. You don't have to exercise it. But if you don't give them any indication and the stock closes in the money, they will automatically exercise the option for you because they right. figure you're saving yourself money. But I mean, in this case, the 780 was a bogus print, although it's a real print, not so, bogus. It really traded up there, but it screwed up the close, screws up all those options, 710, 725, 750, 775 calls would all get exercised. And there's no chance you're ever like turn around selling it up there unless you had the order out there ahead of time. So, so what, why do ugly. we think, and all we can do is speculate here, but why do we think there was eight, basically 822,000 shares out there sitting out there at, at 780 somebody maybe so maybe. so so two ideas two ideas yeah one, sure go one you have a serious uh options tr- uh, whale with a lot of um with a lot of options expiring maybe i don't or someone thought that the shopify was part of that rebalance and they threw a bunch of orders out there even stocks that aren't on the rebalance, when you're on the third Friday of the month, you have institutions jockeying positions, doing lots of different things. And we can't, you know, we can guess, but there's yeah. no real knowledge for no. why somebody sends a market order for, you know, and I don't know if it's one person, if it's multiple people, multiple institutions, but why some institution, you know, uses, you know, I, I never use MOCs at all. There's a difference. You can use an MOC or an LOC. I always use LOC, which is limit on close. I specify my price. MOC is fill me at the closing price no matter what. You send a market on close, you're getting filled at the closing price on the buy side no matter what. And in this case, the the money was made if you were shorting it, LOC, or selling it, LOC. But if you were buying LOC or, 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 or MOC, I should say, if you're buying MOC, you lost. 
So I always say to all of our traders at Bright Trading, give your price. You can use limit on close works the same, but specify your price. You could say, okay, well, I want to buy Shopify at the close. I'm going to put 710. Close 780, you don't get executed. You put MOC on that and you're done up there. And yeah. somebody literally just threw away $65 million. Some of that went, to, and that money went to whoever was in the book. Obviously, the DMM would have made some money off of it too. Yeah. It's a ridiculous print. You used to see more of this years ago. You don't see it so much anymore. The high-frequency traders are really good at offsetting it all. Um, so it, it minimizes the impact. Uh, but, you know, this wasn't the only stock that did this. So I didn't no. participate in this one, but I did participate in a few of these. Verizon. Let's bring up Verizon. Yeah. yeah. This was the one I was focusing on. So I have an automated system that sends out orders on a lot of the big S&P companies. And it picks it and, and um, it'll send out sell short orders above where this thing is and buy orders below. So basically, it's called envelope program where I'm enveloping the close. I send out, a, you know, my program before the close. So if there's a gap up, I'm going to be sure if there's a gap down, I'm going to be long. Shopify is not in that program because it's a really wild stock. So I don't have it in that program. So the only way I would have got it is if I manually discretionary uh, put noticed it and put the short out there. If I would have noticed it, I definitely would have put a short sell out there. But I just didn't notice it. Like, didn't notice the imbalance. But my program picked up a bunch of trades. It picked up Verizon, picked up Hewlett Packard, picked up Colgate, picked wow. up Chevron, picked wow. up Home Depot, picked up PayPal, wow. picked up Square. That's all. My, like, I didn't notice those. My system picked it up. So, you know, and, but a Verizon, I did notice. So I noticed it was 12 million shares to sell. I'm like, that is huge. The stock starts going down when the imbalance gets posted at 350 and just starts getting hit. And this is Verizon conservative stock. So I put extra orders, extra buy orders out there too. And I got it filled on it all at $50.80 on the close, which was the close. And I was able to flip it out after hours, literally like a, like, like a minute after it closes for a quick 35, 40 cents, which is nice. So on a stock like Verizon, you're talking 0.8%. That's a pretty good trade. Um, and again, uh, going to the other ones, I got long Colgate was another one. Um, I didn't even notice this one at all. My system picked it up, but it bought it at 7220 and I was able to flip it out at like $73 after hours. So you can see way down there, like literally flipping it out, like right after immediately after. So there was a good opportunity. There was some gappers there for sure. Nice. The Verizon, the Colgate were two big ones. Hewlett Packard had run up square, ran up, had a big buy and balance, um, PayPal, had run up ahead of it. Um, yeah. It had an, an imbalance as well. Home Depot gapped a little bit. Signet Jewelers, SIG gapped down. But nothing was like Shopify. You didn't have any stocks. We're talking like 1% gappers here, not talking 10% gappers. And that's what Shopify was. It was more than a 10% gapper, which was just absolutely ridiculous. So I'm sure the DMM got some calls on that saying, what the hell happened there? But I mean, the print's the print. I've never seen them. I don't remember seeing them adjust an NYSC closing print. That's why some people were calling for an adjustment on it on Twitter saying this is ridiculous. And I was like, if they're ever going to adjust one, it would probably be this one. But I'm like, I've never seen them do it. And as soon as you don't get notification, they can get subscribed to NYSC updates and alerts. As soon as they didn't get notification by like 430, I'm like, they're standing this. Like, this is the close. And people are, you know, people are fighting me. This is the official close. I'm like, it is. It's done on the NYSE. This wasn't like an outside, you know, this was the close. This was the closing print. 800,000 shares printed up at 780. The official close on your screen right now is $780. It's showing it down $72. You're like, oh, what's the news? No, it should have never been up there. It's ripped back to where it should be. 
780 was a gift for the goes. sellers and a maybe, mess up for maybe, the Maybe maybe if our buyers. market maybe if this was more like the London Metals Exchange, they would just bust all those trades. But because we have a, an actual fair market here in the US, they're not gonna do that. But yeah, I mean it's not fair, but think about the person well, who sold I, this. I guess I should you got your 720 out there, you get filled at 780, you're all giddy. I mean, we is have it fair to just go in there and bust all their trades too? No, that's Yes, that's my point. Well, we have a we have not a rigged market where they're going to go back and and just do that because for, at the benefit of some whale somewhere. Well, uh, but let's move Everybody's on. Everybody's calling for us to move on. I just want to say, we try to be a teaching show here. We give the news, but this is a teaching tool, and we're trying to teach traders, you know, certain things. There's multiple things to be learned here. You know, one is don't use market on close orders. Two is if you've got your options, close those things out. Don't leave them open-ended because there's going to be some people who really, really got hurt on this. They're going to come in this morning. They'd be long Shopify from like 725, 750, and they're going to lose some money here because they left them open-ended. So we want to teach stuff. John, if you don't want to listen to that, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is we're trying to teach things. I think people appreciate the teaching. I think if we voted in the chat right now, I think people like to learn stuff. That's enough of that, John. All right. <laughs> Put you on time out there for a minute. All right. Uh, that being said, though, let, let us move on because. Yeah, we're moving on. Yeah, yeah we're, we're moving on. Uh, unless one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So story of the day. Um, Boeing, obviously, if you didn't hear by now, there was, a, there was another crash involving a Boeing plane. It was a Boeing 737, but it was not a 737 max it was a 737 800 uh being operated by china eastern airlines corporation uh details are scant right now all we really know is that 132 people were aboard the plane uh we have data about where and when and how high and how fast but we don't know the important thing which is casualties obviously yeah Um, so that being said, we've seen this before yeah, uh, yeah. from Boeing. It, it, it is a we talk about when stocks are are headline sensitive. There is perhaps there are very few stocks as headline sensitive as Boeing. Uh, to a plane crash for sure. I, I will just bring up a weekly here, yeah. So you can see, um, hmm. you know, the, the, these huge gaps on this on this Boeing weekly. These are these are plane crashes. That was a plane crash. That well, that was COVID, but that was a plane crash. Uh, and, and it was worries about the Max too. Like I right. mean, you had gap ups where they were fixing the Max issues. Remember, like how many yes. times we gap up or down on Max stuff? Yes, a lot, yeah. a lot. So anyway, um, th- th- there's not much to say about it because I I don't like reducing tragedies to oh let's see how the stock is doing. Uh, no, obviously, it's going to trade down on this. Um, but again, details are, are scant as, as far as what I'm seeing. Um, it is a very widely traded stock, a very thick stock. Um, so this will be the story yeah. of the day. I, I hope we learn more soon. Um, I, I just saw this uh, this from the WSJ that was citing the Aviation Safety Network that this, this specific plane, the 737-800, has been involved in 22 hull loss incidents since entering into service in 1998 um plane flying you know still statistically the safest way to travel but when you have uh crashes like this obviously it 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 puts people on high alert so for sure um the the uh apparently the uh let's see it, it was flying this specific plane 
entering the service in 2015, uh, was traveling at 457 knots. That's about 530 miles per hour at about 29,000 feet, 2.19 p.m. local time. Um, what time is that here? Like, when did this happen? Do we know? I think they are 11 hours ahead of us. I'm really throwing you under the bus on this one. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I think they're 11 hours ahead of us. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, I'll be watching this throughout, you know, throughout the morning and hoping we can get some details on yeah. uh, the actual, um, you know, uh, human cost of this. But obviously, this is going to be a story of the day. Uh, don't be surprised if, broadly speaking, airlines trade down as well today. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to see that. And it's, you know, obviously, I don't like going and just talking about, oh, what are the repercussions for the stocks? I mean, think about, you know, the tragedy of a plane crash and in all likelihood, a lot of people, if not all, you know, get killed in something like that. That's I, terrible. I, I, sorry, I just want to clarify. I, when I said whole loss. Sorry, hole is in a plane hole. H U L L. Not like a whole plane like the uh, whole they, the like whole, the whole, yeah. sorry the whole of a plane sorry about that so chat saying 4 a.m um is where i'm gonna happen that's what rj said around 4 a.m yeah. eastern so um bring up the chart of boeing you can bring it up it's yeah. bounced off of the lows uh i'm not going to give an opinion on it full disclosure i do have a position on it so i'm not going to give a full opinion on it i'm just going to say um you know what's happened obviously you can see the stock you know open gap down and we ran down i think we hit a low of what around 176 this morning uh pre-market low is 175 36 175 and change so we're off the pre-market lows um i'm not going to give any opinion on it again because i have a position on it yeah again just a very sensitive stock in general uh it, it it has never gotten back to where it was again this this gap down on the weekly from march of 19 this was the the first 737 Max since there, and then there were several, um, and it and has never gotten back there three years later. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. I mean, we the have... airline, we can talk the other airlines, too. Oh, so sure. Sure, 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 sure. American Airlines down, UAL down, Delta down. Yeah. You're going to see the airlines all get hit this morning. Yeah. Um, is it a buy-the-dip opportunity? The market isn't buy the dip mode. That's all I'll say is, you know, the market is looking for dips to buy. So it would not surprise me if some of the stuff bounces back. And and so DH in the chat asking about whether we'll actually get information from China. Some of it, some of the information is going to come not from China, but from like these international aviation agencies that like monitor all flights around the world. So so I, I hope we get more information. Obviously, the more the better. I, I will say it is remarkable, though. If you just think about how we had this plane crash happen, um, what, four hours ago? And we already know when, we know where, we know how high, we know how fast. It, it, it is it is impressive. Information we get from yeah. those black boxes is pretty impressive. Yeah, yes, uh, concurrent. Um, okay, uh, Merger Monday. Yeah, M&A we do. Monday. We have a yes. number of, of M&A headlines to discuss here uh, today. Let's start with... Hmm. Okay, I guess we have we'll, plan and why. Yeah. All right. Well, we've, we have a third one too. So, okay. Well, let's start with Anaplan. P L A N is your ticker on that. Getting acquired by Tama Bravo. Shameless plug. If you guys missed it on Thursday, Jason Rasnick did a Twitter Spaces with Orlando Bravo, who is a uh, founder of Tama Bravo, that private equity firm. 
Uh, check it out on Twitter Spaces. But Toma Bravo acquiring Anaplane today at a 31% premium. Uh, $66 per share in cash is the takeover price. Values the company at $10.7 billion. So if I bring up the chart, there you see it. And uh, going off the board at $67. Pretty remarkable premium. Nice. I, we closed at what? We closed it's at cash 50. deal? Yes. We closed at 50. Yeah, I know. And we were $42 three days ago before the, you know, the rally. And we should talk about this rally in these tech stocks because these growth tech stocks, holy mackerel. That the China stocks kicked them off and they have not looked back. But I mean, this rally from 41 to 51 in four days because they were buying everything growthy. And now it gets takeover, so yeah. 66. So I guess, you know, the trade's done on this one, obviously. You can see the risk guard. 66 the price? 60, what did I say, 67? 67. 67. So anyways, risk guards, I don't know if 66 or 67. I didn't look it up. I've got 66 written down, so I'm assuming that yeah. may have been it. Um, unless I wrote it down wrong. So it's buck 10 down. So the risk guards are putting the dollar 10, you know, discount off for time it's, value. It's 66. Money. So yeah, you're right. 66. Yeah, that's not, I, I'd ring the red. I mean, if you're in at 64 now, you sit around for the last buck. I'd probably ring the register and move on, move your money to better places. Um, so that trade's done, but let's just take it to the growth tech names, you know, and this is something I definitely got wrong. Um, I thought we could get a little bit of a bounce. I did not foresee, you know, these kind of like <laughs> this continued, like, Square, for instance, let's just go to Square. I mean, this is incredible. It's went from $94, you know, to 140 in four trading sessions. I mean, and then let's just go to ARC, you know, and obviously you're going to encompass most of them like that, from 51 to 65 in four trading sessions. And we've talked about this, you know, stocks that are in bear markets, the most wicked rallies are, you know, that happen in bear markets because you've got shorts in there, you're squeezing people, you got FOMO that comes in once they start going. I mean, this is a wicked, wicked, wicked rally. Um, so if the short side had been too easy. That was the bottom line of the Chinese names, the growthy names. It's been too easy. I've talked about it for a while on the growth names being too easy on the short side, um, which is why I said I can't be short any of these, but I wasn't long any of them either. So at least not very many of them. I had Unity software which was one I had. And I actually sold that on Friday just because I feel like it's too much too fast. 73 to 96 in four trading sessions. I mean, this feels like a gift for a lot of these stocks that have really been beat up. I think if you're coming in now, you're really late to the party. But would I buy some of these on pullbacks? Do I think the low, I think the 52-week low on a lot of these stocks is in. Unless it really gets ugly over in the Ukraine situation. I do think, you know, now hindsight capital is 2020. It'd been nice to say that four days ago. But, you know, it's, you know... I'm not in the business of catching a falling knife. It's bounced enough now that it makes me feel a little more comfortable to say on a pullback now on certain things, I think you're getting in. So I think you're using dips on individual stories to rebuild some of that portfolio. And like I said, in long-term portfolio, I'm sitting over 50% cash right now. So I will be using some of these dip opportunities in certain stocks to um, to, to get back in. I did, buy, I did buy one star. I bought AMD on Friday in the long-term portfolio because I felt like AMD had this nice little three-day consolidation that didn't really participate. NVIDIA did. Um, and maybe that's not a good thing, but I feel like there could be a little catch-up trade there. So it's the one stock that I did buy on Friday that's growthy, um, but I'm definitely underweight growth right now. So on pullbacks, I'll be looking to buy some of these. So, so something you do, uh, you know, see and hear as a consideration is, all right, we, we know that everything ripped you last week, right? Tech especially. Mm-hmm. 
But what led and what lagged? What, what was leading the pack and what was what was towards the back of the pack? You look at what was leading the pack. It was stocks like Bumble, right? Oh yeah, like, stocks like like you mentioned Square, uh, really beaten down yep. names. Uh, a lot of Chinese stocks, obviously, and the, like skills. Like look at look at the week that skills had. Skills yeah. went from uh, what's that? So it two bucks to three twenty. You're talking yeah. about a sixty percent run in four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, ask the person. Here's the problem with you know you're you're going to hear about all the people that bought it at two dollars, but you're going to hear crickets from the person that bought it at twenty, nineteen, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, yes. fifteen, fourteen, thirteen, twelve. Get my point? Yes. There was a lot of money made in the last four days, but a lot more money has been lost in SKL Zebra than made. Yes. So, you know, yes, some people were, you know, got the $2, $2.25, and you will only hear about those people on Twitter because nobody talks about their losers on Twitter. I'll talk about my losers, but the majority of traders aren't confident enough in their own skills to talk about their losers. They only want to talk about their winners because it has to build up their confidence because they're not confident enough in their own trading. But my, so, my point in bringing this up, though, is like, what would you rather see? Would you rather see like the docu-signs of the world and the skills of the world lead us? Or would you rather see us be led by like, I don't know, Amazon, which was... Well, it came uh, back good too. Amazon good, did too. Had a good week. And some of, some of it is the law of large and small numbers here. It's much easier for skills to rip higher 50% than it is for Amazon. Um, well, it's impossible for Amazon. So it's not even, it's, it's, it's that, but it's the market cap's so much higher. It's, it's impossible for it to do that. Really. I, I, yes. But like Apple, which was only up 6% last week. And I say only again, because like 6% is a great week, but consider what, you know, Bumble and Affirm and Asana and Roblox and, Carvana did last week, right? And MongoDB and Etsy and PayPal. Um, so when the market's going up, you always want to be long higher beta names. Those are all higher beta names. When the market's going down, you don't want to be long higher beta names. So I mean, that's that's what it boils down to here, Spencer. I mean, you're never going to see the apples rip 40, 50 percent. Right. The market caps are too high, but they don't go down 40 or 50 percent when these stocks were all going down like that either. So majority of my money is in the mega caps. I'm not in a lot of the small stuff, but I tell you, if you're in the small stuff last week, you had a really good week. And a lot of people I'm, did really well coming in. A lot of people made some money. I, I'm just trying to make a point about like how, like thinking about last week's rally, right? Like the market will go up if, like, it can go up for several reasons, right? Last week it went up because everything rallied, right? But it can also go up if, like, just the FANG stocks rally because they're so large, right? We don't mm-hmm. need everything to follow the FANG stocks because they make up such a large part of these indexes that they can drag the market with it. So I guess what I guess I'm asking, what would you rather see? Would you rather see uh, those beaten down, higher beta names lead us higher? Or would you rather see, like, the FANGs and the mega caps of the world lead us higher? I don't necessarily know the answer. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, but it was just interesting to see. And so now, now I'm curious is like, like what is the, uh, what is the continuation here this week? Do, do the mega caps continue to be strong? Cause the second those things start to turn, I will get more bearish than I already was. Right. Like uh, it's cool that everything was green, right? All tech was up last week, not all tech, but most of tech was green last week, which is cool. Uh, but I'm paying more attention to the mega caps than I am to like, those crazy high flyers of last week. And I think the mega caps had a fantastic week. So that's why I was arguing your point. I think that's been a long time 
since we've seen a Apple rally 6% in a week. That's yep. a huge move for it. The question is, are we buying it now after big moves last week? I mean, I think you need a dip to come in here now and maybe you miss it. But, you know, stocks move in like waves, right. you know, like they move uh, down and they come up a bit. They move in waves. It's rare for a stock to just V. You, you do see Vs. It happens. It happened, obviously, you know, with March 2020 and the COVID crisis. We, the SPY basically V bottomed. You can have Vs and that could be the case, but it's more often they're in waves. So if you're a quantitative approach to this market, you're probably saying, I'm not going to chase it here. I'm going to wait for a pullback and then get in um, on the pullback here because, you know, we waved down. We maybe overshot. Now we've come up. Now you wait for that little dip again and then you move back in again. So I think if from a quantitative approach, I think, you know, to your point, I think your point is wrong because I think okay. that the mega caps had a fantastic week last week. I think it was big. Um, we were led, what really led to wasn't ARC, it was China. China kickstarted ARC, which then kickstarted everything. So the Chinese names were so beat up when we talked about those. Um, you know, Alibaba, Baidu. I mean, you see JD, Spencer, like JD goes from 42 to 70 in four days. Yeah. It was just nothing short of incredible. These are some of the biggest moves I've, you know, for I, Baidu to go I, I, from 170 I, 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 to yeah. 100 and back to 160. I mean, that's incredible. I, I guess maybe I'm finding a way to complain because if if the market had had closed higher because solely on the back of the performance of like 10 stocks, then I would complain about the breath. And so I guess I'm just finding a way to complain about this because uh, I missed it. Right. So I'm, I'm complaining too. I missed it too. I, I'm full on like, usually I'm pretty good at catching the moves. I tell you, I missed this like flat out, like shitty missed this, you know, yeah. and definitely looking at it like Ugh, I'm 50% cash. Does that suck? Big time, big time. Now, again, I didn't just raise and sell yet last week. I sold a while ago, but it would have been nice to redeploy at the bottom. It's hard to get the bottom. So I think I can see now that the bottom is probably in, unless, you know, it really gets ugly, obviously, in the Ukraine situation. So now that I can see that the bottom is likely in in a lot of these stocks, now you wait and you use opportunities, even in individual names, to redeploy capital on dips. If we're back to the buy the dip mentality. I mean, if it escalates ridiculously over in Ukraine or if, the, you know, if something else happens, you know, a new catastrophe or something, you know, then the, the story changes. But with the information we have today, it probably appears like the, the the rally was wicked enough that makes me think that maybe even the 52 week low is in. Yeah, I, at a certain point, everyone who didn't buy, that's you and me and many others, last week has to ask themselves, all right, at what point are we wrong? And I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't have to say at what point I'm wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm wrong. We're wrong. We're wrong. We're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, we're wrong. We're yes. wrong. Yes. No doubt. Yes. Wrong. Like right for a long time, but needed to get back in last week. Didn't get back in. That's why I picked up AMD. Hadn't went yet. Looking at stocks that, okay, well, this could be a catch-up trade. Need to get some capital working again. That one looks like a sleepy one that hasn't went yet to me. I mean, I'm not going to get the 100 if I think the market's going higher. But is the potential for this thing to get back up and moving again? Maybe. Maybe it's the wrong stock. You know, that's why I would never put 100% of my money in AMD. But do you put 1% here, 1%, 1% here? I think you do. And I think you're using pullbacks. On different stocks, like I said, maybe even on a FedEx that pulled back last week on an earnings report. Maybe you're nibbling on that. Maybe you're using, you know, some of the, some of the weakness and you know some of the airlines and stuff today. 
to redeploy some capital. But I think the biggest thing is you've got to admit when you're wrong. It's all about admitting when you're yeah. wrong. Yeah, I'm you, admitting on the show that I was good. wrong to not be bullish last week. Joel, Joel and I had talked about this, about you. You're very good at changing your mind very quickly. And, and it's that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. That's, that's all thing. trading is. I know. I know. That's all it is, is 22 years of I'm wrong every day. I'm wrong on lots of things every day. Yes. Fix it and then, you know, move on. So yeah. my opinion about, well, the bottom, you know, could continue to fall out of this market. I don't know what's going on. Um, information. I don't have enough information is, you know, is wrong. So I shouldn't be at 50% cash right now. I wish I was 100% invested last week. It would have been really good. I'm not going to go there, though, because there's a lot of unknowns. But would I be more comfortable if I was 70% stocks right now? Yeah, I would be. I'm a little uncomfortable that I'm this much cash. But I raised a lot of it the last couple of days because I just thought the rally is overdone. But it keeps going. So maybe it's going to V-bottom. Maybe I'm going to have trouble rebuilding it. But I know I'll get another chance. There's always another chance to get in stocks. Maybe not in your stock, but there'll be a chance to get in a stock. Yeah. So you've got to you know change your opinions and figure it out. And as of right now, it appears that the 52-week low could potentially, never know anything, could potentially be in. Uh, real fast, before we bring on Tim, the two other M&A headlines we didn't get to. Allegheny, ticker Y, is getting acquired by Berkshire Hathaway today. So that's going to be it's trading up uh, 25% right now. The takeover price for that is $848.02 per share. And then Nielsen, NLSN, they had a uh, uh, go-private offer. Last week, they said thanks, but no thanks. So Nielsen and LSN turning down 17% this morning because they have said no to the offer that was on the table. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Interesting. I mean, so they say no. It was obviously trading up. It gets back down to like that 18, 19 area where it came from. And you know there was people willing to pay for it there. That's a dip I would buy. So, I mean, am I buying a 20 with still another buck or two downside? But maybe. I mean, that's a significant sell-off here. And obviously, it's not just going to bounce right back. Deals off the table. So there's a reason, you know, it's trading higher. So it loses all that premium. But it comes back into where it was. I always like that when there's a potential for a deal. Deal falls apart, comes back to the level of, you know, where it was prior to the deal. So that would be like 18, 19 if it got back down there. I think you do buy on that dip. Kind of reminds me of Kohl's to a certain extent, (laughs) where Kohl's came all the way back down, obviously brought down by market effects. And then the deal comes back on the table. And the stock, you know, rips higher there. So it's kind of like a little call option on the potential for a deal to maybe eventually come back on the table. Maybe they come back with a better price. I, I don't get how Nielsen is still in business, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I told Boeing's you that, ripping higher right I, now, too, by the way. I told you that Nielsen sent me a, a $2 uh, offer in the or an offer in the mail, and then they bribed me with $2 to, to participate in their uh, survey, but whatever. No, you didn't tell me that. Whatever. Uh, it is What's Boeing a- doing? What, what, is there a headline on Boeing just ripped? Uh, Ramp yeah. chart. Yeah, all right. Give me, give me a second. I was going to bring on Tim Quas, but Tim, I'll get you here. One second. Now, We're doing coming. four things at once. All right. Do we have news on Boeing? Da, 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 da. Checking my thing. Checking that. 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 Just ripped that. up three bucks. I was just wondering if somebody said something. Maybe. I mean, maybe I just saw they were talking about on CNBC, but I don't know what they were saying. Anyways, maybe it's just about it, but it'll look like to me like something, um, you know, something news because that was a big candle there. Just was like 181 and boom, it was 184. So I was wondering if something was said by somebody. So, okay, well, let's go grab Tim. Checking around right now. Now, the problem with a Boeing with with a headline like that is there's going to be 10 million headlines today about it or in, in articles, and it, it'll be a lot hard to get through the noise. All right, it's Mondays. You guys know what that means. We do market structure Mondays on Mondays, obviously. 
Tim Quast, good morning. How happy, are we doing today? Happy, happy Market Structure Monday, guys. Good happy to see you. I forgot the bushwhackers. I get all <laughs> sidetracked. There's so much going on. I forgot to bushwhack Tim here. <laughs> I don't even know if Tim knows who the bushwhackers are. I always do it to him. But <laughs> were you a, were you a wrestling fan when you were a kid? I was not. I, you were not. So you I, don't I, know I, the Bushwhackers. I, they were I from, do not. So the background was the WWF, and they were the tag okay. team, the Bushwhackers. They'd always come with their music, and they'd come in like this. Da, 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 da. I don't know why I started that with your market structure segment, but for some reason I did, and now it's like a habit. <laughs> say after 21 days, something becomes a habit. I think you've been on the show for 21 days now, so now it's a so. habit for me. There you go. That's Tim, how's it, it going, buddy? It's uh, it's going well. Thank you. It's snowing heavily in Steamboat Springs. Oh, are yeah. you still skiing? Uh, we still have awesome conditions. Uh, so yeah, yeah, the the season rolls on. We, we were uh, we were out actually not skiing. We were out because because my wife, after two ski related knee surgeries, won't uh, strap on wood anymore, but she loves to snowshoe. So uh, we were out on rabbit ears at ninety five hundred feet in perfect snow over the weekend. Nice. Just great. Wow. Yeah. Very enjoying yourself. I actually, my boy uh, skied for the first time last week there. Uh, just uh, he's seven years old, but he enjoyed Fantastic. it. The only problem he had was never really thought about it, but he got sunburned. I mean, oh, you don't think about it when it's like right. 30, when it's 32 degrees outside, you don't really think about a sunburn. But I mean, the snow, the sun coming off was a sunny day. And I'm like, looking at his face at the end of the day, I was like, boy, was sunburned. He, well, wait, was he wearing goggles? Yeah, well, he was oh, yes. too, but only on yeah. the down the slopes and stuff. So they're coming on and off. But yeah, so anyways, either either way, he did have goggles, but he still got sunburned. Did you, you just that... teach him how to pizza, pizza and French fry, pizza French fry? <laughs> right? It wasn't me teaching him; it was his aunt and his uncle. So we were talking just now about last mm-hmm. week's rally and sort of yep. um, what to think about it. What 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 do you think about it? Uh, oh, and by the way, Boeing, oddly, that is, the, you know, the, the headlines on Boeing, before I answer your question, Spencer, yes. uh, are, you know, there's a 737-800 that crashed in Southeast China. Right. So, oddly, that is the, that's the news. Uh, I think maybe the fact that, that Boeing is up is it's not a max, you know. It's, well, uh, Boeing's down 10 bucks. Is it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Boeing is getting hit on this. It okay. was up earlier, obviously, yep. when and then this tragedy happened. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's come back down. So it was down almost twenty dollars at one time. It was down eighteen points earlier on. Now it's mm-hmm. only down nine. So it's bounced back. So I think it is to your point. Yep. I think if this was a max, this yep. would be you know getting hit harder than it is. But because it's not a max, I think to your point is I mean plane crashes do have we don't know the reasons behind it yet, but because it's not a max, I think it's maybe yeah. It's come back a bit, maybe since you know we got the tragic news. Yep, and and new options trade today. So if you if, if you have a pre market dip like that, it creates an opportunity for a trader in new options. Uh, so Spencer, to your <clears throat> to your question about the market last week. Once again, I'll I'll say that the turn tends to come during options expirations. I did not hear anybody until Friday even mention. The, the options expiration cycle and how uh, all the things that were the trouble for the market, Ukraine and a Fed rate hike suddenly became 
the reasons that the market was surging. That, well, okay, the certainty of a rate hike uh, is the reason that stocks are surging. And I hate that. Are, I, Tam, I pisses me off so much. Just, it's just nuts. It is not. That is not the way traders, that's your market structure Monday lesson. That is not how the market works. The, the market is not full of illogical, irrational participants who one day sell something for the same reason that the next day they buy it. That's not the way that the market works. But the we, media always wants to find the fundamental reason for, yep. for a move. And they don't want to hear about options. They want to hear about there's a story here or there's something. Yep. Or, okay, so they're comfortable now with the interest rate picture. And that's why they're in the media. The media will always justify well, the move with some right. fundamental reason. And then right. what you'll also see is, like, for example, uh, stocks rally after Fed raises rates quarter point. Right. There was nothing false about that statement. Stocks did rally. The Fed did raise rates a quarter point. Right. But when True. you put them together like that, right. you, you, uh, you, you, you create this um, uh, assumption that one caused the other or the, the implication, the implication that one yep. caused the other when that's not necessarily true. But anyway, it, keep going on your point. It's what the mathematicians call a false correlation. Sure. And, there, and there, you can Google false correlation, and there are hilarious things about false correlations, things that seem to move uh, uh, in synchronicity. Uh, but remember, we talked on Market Structure Monday last week about the, the fact that a t if it tech, in fact, we've been talking about it for two weeks, that if, if tech is going to turn, if a surge is going to come, it will come into options expirations March 18th. It's going to lead into that. And why would that be? Well, uh, because of the way that the market works, and I'll keep this very simple, that there are stocks and derivatives that trade in place of them. And if stocks are discounted relative to the derivative, then the discounted item will become the thing that you buy into expirations. And that was tech. Uh, so tech posted some big surges. Uh, now, whether they're sustainable or not with new options trading today, that's what will, will remain to be seen. And here's something, the last comment on this that I would make is that today with new options trading, two things will drive the market and these two things will conflict with each other. And so it'll be interesting. We may have a volatile day and whether, it finish, whether we finish up or down will depend on how these two things sort out. It is the demand for new derivatives that expire in April. Do people come back and, and buy substitutes and make bets on the market and hedge their positions with derivatives? That's one thing. And then all the stuff that happened last week that uh, resulted in winnings, win winners and losers, that will sort out. And the two things will determine which way the market goes today. And I don't know. I can tell you what the broad sentiment is doing, that it has bottomed and it's rising. But there are two things that are generally signals of a top, not a bottom, that are present in the market. Again, I'm not, I look at the data every day. I don't prognosticate. I just take the data as it comes. But short volume market-wide is very high. Uh, look up NSIT, Inside Enterprises. It's 92% short. That you might expect in a small cap. Hewlett-Packard is over 80% short. Over 80% of its trading volume is coming from borrowed stock. The levels are very, very high in the market. That's not generally the sign of a market bottom, but a top. And then number two, volatility is very high. It has been over 3% in the market all year in 2022. 
That's the spread between the average intraday high and intraday low. Those things, high volatility tends to mark tops, not bottoms. Again, I'm not saying what will happen, but those are some contradictory signals that we see in the data. I mean, this is, you know, and you're hmm. a quant, I take a quantitative approach, you yep. take a quantitative approach. I mean, yes. this is, you know, the way, you know, it's it's a more consistent way of trading, in my opinion, than just discretionary making calls. And a lot yep. of people, you know, will look, you know, we're on a show, and we all have opinions on everything. Everybody's got an opinion. But, you know, I've said it before, I make a lot more money from my quantitative approach where I'm not making opinions on stocks than I do from making opinions on stocks. And that that's mind-boggling to most people because they think, oh, well, you may make an opinion. You know, you've got to come in, you got to buy something. But you're using a systematic approach to the market. Correct. You're not really making opinions. Correct. You're not really trading your opinions. You're trading that systematic approach. I only care about supply and demand. And yeah. context, what is occurring around uh, us at, at any given moment? There are important things. The beginnings of months, the, the options expirations period and the ends of months. The market moves in a monthly and quarterly cadence. And why is that? Well, it goes back to the whole way that money works in the market. If you're running a hedge fund, you're reporting results monthly to your clientele. Well, that's very important. At the beginning of the month and at the end of the month, between those, you have a chance to produce a return. And that's going to affect your behavior. That's trillions of dollars. Then you add in the tens of trillions of dollars that are benchmarked to things and it's every quarter you're going to make some adjustments it might be exposure to the market you may talk to your clients and say we're now increasing our exposure to value and decreasing our exposure to growth uh we're increasing our exposure to fixed income decreasing our exposure to that's the stuff that's going on so you can't traders think that all the time every day the same stuff is going on you have to think about the context so i'm very much focused on supply and demand and uh, those are those are measurable things. They're not perfect. There's no perfect system. But uh, I can t in my own accounts uh, that uh, when I follow the math and uh, I uh, always, always outperform the market, period. So there's something to that. Can, can you give us maybe mm. some ideas for this week, Tim? So uh, I yes. And here's a great way to look at let's let's take four of the top excluding Nielsen, which you talked about a deal okay. stock, by yeah. the way. You can look. You can use Market Structure Edge to look at deal stocks and determine whether these deals have substance or not. If you see heavy short covering, there's a probability that there is merit to a deal. If there isn't, there probably isn't merit to it. Hmm. But I want to look at four things last week that besides Nielsen were top performers, and let's look at the supply-demand balance in them. Uh, if you like, we can look at Nielsen really quickly here. They yep. reject this uh, takeover bid. So uh, what does the math tell us about, did, did we already, could we have already known that? Well, there's the, so the green part is the demand side. Very good demand. Supply did dip, but it's almost 50%. It's 46% of the trading volume that is borrowed or created. In deal stocks, what we have seen for 15 years doing this is that in deal stock, deals that will, will stick, those levels dropped to about 30%. So the math was already telling us that save for the covering by people who were caught out by that, there was a belief this deal isn't going to happen at this level. Now, if, uh, if the deal is revised by Elliott and its uh, co uh, compatriots in this transaction and we see the levels drop, then you know it's got merit. 
but looking at, so let's go look at Moderna, big performer last week. You know, is there, is there merit to supply and demand in Moderna? And what you want to look for is a diverging supply demand pattern. It's that simple. Uh, so as a, as it, here's, here's Moderna's demand green, this is price, just closing price. Here's the supply side. Well, you have a divergence, rising demand, relatively flat supply. That's why price moved. But look how high the levels are. 60% of the trading volume in Moderna is artificial. That means if demand stalls, the price will go down. So I would say, no, that was options driven. That was an options driven trade, probably doesn't stick. Look at Etsy, another great performer last week. And Etsy is a... <laughs> I mean, it's a trader's dream if you're on the right side of it. It's incredibly volatile. Uh, it tends to move violently during options expirations and around uh, earnings. So here's the demand side. It's at one. And the supply side took a dip. That's why it surged. But look, once again, it's 60% short and a one. I am not buying that. You say, well, then I missed out on all those gains. Well, if, you, if you've gotten those gains, take them because that is not a pattern that lasts and it's very mathematically consistent paypal another great performer uh last week so what what happened with paypal it's it's again i look at the supply demand equation and say okay i can understand why it moved there was a lot of demand for calls going into options expirations that's what this big dip tells us but it also tells me that with demand rising and now supply rising too, it's a lot better than the other two. It is actually the best of the lot because those levels are lower. The run is not going to last again. So you should know that as a trader. Know when you should get out of something, no matter what the charts are telling So on something like PayPal, it's telling yep. you to take the profits from this recent run? It is. Yep. Yeah. Even though the demand is still rising, I don't like rising supply and demand at the same time. Those will cause the gains to run out of steam. That's what's going to happen. I, I'd be curious. Can you look at any one mega cap? I don't care which one. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. Yeah, pick, let's take pick, Apple. Pick one. Okay. I just want, I want to like to see that right now. Okay. So here's Apple. Uh, and I, I, I have a little bit of Apple, but only because I thought all the money was going to come back into tech. Uh, into options expirations and index rebalances. It's not great either. It's got, it, it, sentiment is just ticked up and supply is flat. That tends to su sustain gains. But what if it doesn't ever get back to five? Apple is spending a lot of time the last 15 days below five, and that's why it's struggled. Uh, it's not bad. I, I look at Apple and say it's not a bad thing to continue to hold, but it's not these this are, are not the conditions from a supply demand standpoint that tend to give you big gains. Interestingly, interesting. love, yeah, it is. I mean, if I'm not, and I'm not saying that Southwest is going to surge. I'm just saying this is the kind of condition that produces gains. See this big divergence between demand and supply. Demand rising, supply plunging. Yeah. into new options trading. That tells me there's a lot of demand for derivatives in Southwest. So that can produce a nice move in the stock. Not absolute, but that's a, that consistently in the math. We study this all the time. Well, I've got a full-time person on staff who all he does, he's a mathematician out of the University of Kansas who crunches the data like this all the time to look for those conditions. And uh, the, it works. 
All right. If you want to know more, uh, I mean, Tim joins us every single Monday. He also joins us once a week on Benzinga Live. But if that's not enough for you, check out his platform, the one that's on, that was on the screen there, Market Structure Edge. The link is up on the screen. Use the code BZFRIENDS20, BZFRIENDS20 to get $20 off your first month. That code's only good if you use it in the next couple of weeks. So do that. Tim, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Always fun Talk to see you guys. See you, guys. All, All, right. Right, Thank you. All right. Enjoy that skiing. Uh, it's 8.55. Yeah. We got five minutes left in today's show, so yeah. we can do some ticker time. I sure. Just, that's a I good just, idea. I just like to keep an eye on my movers tool and see if there's anything that's been moving in the last few minutes, any news that I missed. Oh, before we do that, uh, I want to mention Coinbase. Um, it's oh, been yeah. a while. It's been a while since we've heard about Coinbase. It's also been a while since we've heard about Jim Chanos, the famed short seller. Well, that was fixed on Friday when he hopped on CNBC and announced he is short Coinbase. I, I have no idea where that stock is right now. It's come um, back, but if you look and bring up the Friday chart, it's really interesting. It shows you these algos that just trade off opinions on CNBC. Like they, he said he's short Coinbase, and yeah. they. Hit this down eleven bucks right on the initial. You see that? Right That's there. the original. Like, Al goes, "Oh my gosh, Chanos is starting this out, 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 out." Yeah. And then, like two minutes later, it's back up like one eighty two, and it's just the Al goes just just again yeah. overshooting. They continuously seem to do this, um, you know. And that was a huge overshoot. Bounced back. It's down three bucks. It should be down. Chanos disclosed a big short position. I mean, Chanos is well followed, so it should be worth. It's worth something. But to knock $11, like 7% off the price immediately because Chainos is short, I mean, it seems ridiculous. I, yeah. um, I am long Coinbase. I'm still long Coinbase. It's been a bad buy by me. I stuck a little bit in the long-term portfolio for a growthy name and been dead wrong on it. So I don't know what to say on this one. I kind of feel like, though, that the bottom is in in a lot of these growthy names. So I'd probably be a buyer pullbacks here. Okay. All right, um, and then let's do Nike real fast because Nike. And you know, actually, uh, before I do Nike, well, in that vein, let me bring up the earnings calendar for the week. There, there really isn't much, yeah, but, but there are there are a couple. So here's the earnings reports for this week. You can see we have, oh, that's not it. There it is. Nike tonight. Um, uh, Tencent Music is tonight. Golden Nugget Casinos tonight. Tomorrow, Carnival, Adobe, uh, Wednesday, General Mills, Tencent, KB Home. Uh, Restoration Hardware, uh, Darden Restaurants on Thursday, Neo on Thursday, but Nike is going to be your big one, and that's tonight. So let's bring up that chart now and um, see what see what we have here. Um, I got a trading position on, so I can't give an opinion on it. I mean, ah. when I when I say I've got a trading position, I'm going to be actively trading it at the open. So I don't talk about stuff that I'm going to be trading at the open. So sorry on Nike, but you know, there's some other stocks. Adobe, I don't have. I could talk that one. That's going to report earnings here too there's often a positive alpha associated you know with owning a stock ahead of the earnings report um it's a light week like you said dri kb homes i mean um kb homes interesting too just because we had we've already heard from lanar so we kind of know what to expect yes, that's true Allian had a nice pop off of its earnings the earnings were pretty good i am somewhat concerned going forward about demand in home builders for the simple reason is that the prices of everything have gone up so much that I think eventually you get some demand destruction there. So I know they look cheap on a multiple level and maybe that's all priced in. Uh, but I'm kind of keeping away from the home builders just for that reason that I feel like there's going to be less people building homes with the increased cost of materials. What about Disney here? This is interesting. Uh, yeah. Disney was the subject of not one, but two 
negative articles in the last few days, one from CNBC, one from the Wall Street Journal, both kind of vague, uh, but both like Im- implying that Bob Chapek, the CEO, is uh, I don't want to say if in trouble is the right word, but uh, they they have some 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 macro challenges that they're facing, and he and Bob Chapek is under pressure uh, to to navigate these. Uh, tumultuous water. So you tend to see articles like this happen whenever there's uh, some like general investor, um, uh, you know, uh, d- uh, in- investor disagreements or uh, frustration at leadership that they, they tend to start talking to the press and, and to get their point across. So you saw two of those articles happen in the, in the past couple of days on Disney. They also announced that they're closing uh, Shanghai Disney uh, because of COVID. So, and that's closed as of today. Tough shirt, kind of in the middle of nowhere. I'm long it, been long it for a while, bought it too soon. Um, bag holder in Disney. I'm holding on to it, though. This is the longer term account. I'm holding on to it for the simple reason that um, I, I don't know. I I feel like eventually Disney's going to win. Uh, yeah. But again, we are only in the year one or year, maybe this is year two now of. Uh, of, of of the new CEO tenure, and you, you always sometimes you do see when when new CEOs when a legendary CEO like Bob Iger steps away, that that can that can be the start of a longer term uh, trend. Uh, you know, uh, and, and just because the market values certain CEOs above others, and you can look at the Starbucks chart to see that happen to see that in practice last week. I think I will add to my Disney position at a certain point because it's a smaller size position. I think the 130 put in a nice double bottom here now. So you've bounced off of there for four days straight. So maybe you get a pullback into the mid 135 area or something and then you strike. Um, you can, okay. you know, it's not absurd to chase it here at 140 either. I mean, it's rallied, but a lot of stuff has rallied, but it did rally. You know, ten bucks last week, eight percent last week. I'd like a pullback, a dip to buy. I'd be buying dips on Disney. All right, all right, guys. That'll be a wrap for us. If you're wondering where Joel is, he'll be back tomorrow, or so I've been told. Um, but I had fun. I hope you had fun, Dennis. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, be good. Stay green. The rest of you, don't go anywhere because live trading with Benzinga uh, is coming up live in like four minutes, 9.05. So if you could be so kind and drop me a like, I'd appreciate that. Uh, Whether you're watching us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch, uh, on Facebook, or even on LinkedIn, just hit that thumbs up button. Hey, if you want to subscribe to Benzinga's YouTube channel, please do that. If you want to become a member, get access to custom emojis, uh, badges, and more down the line, check that out. Just click the join button on the... uh, the, the homepage of our YouTube um, page right there. Uh, other PSAs I have, Benzinga Pro, get it for free for two weeks, pro.benzinga.com. There's a discount code to Benzinga Pro in the link to uh, under in the description under, underneath this video. There's a link there near the top of the description. Get 25% off Benzinga Pro. Check that out. Uh, I'll be talking more about our upcoming events, especially the Fintwick conference later on today. So uh, if you don't know what that is, you can just Go to bit here. You know what? I'll put the link up on the screen for it because uh, you need to make it as easy as possible. The link to the conference in Vegas that I fully intend to be at. I don't I have it? Andy, I should. Give me one second. Benzingaevents.com. 
click on Fintway Conference. There we go. All right. Here's the link to learn more. It's in the chat. Bada bing, bada boom. Middle of May, May 13th and 14th. I'll be there. Many others will be there. Check it out. Uh, what else did I want to say? Um, let's see. Oh, Mitch is talking to uh, Super League Gaming. If you guys uh, like that stock, SLGG, that'll be at uh, on Money Mitch today. That'll be at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, so stay tuned for that. He's talking to their CEO uh, in hand. All right, I'm going to hop, though. Please remember all the information from our show. It's meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Uh, born to be free. I'll, yes, I'm. I need. I need to follow up, but I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Uh, guys, smash that like. Catch you later. Live trading going live right now, and uh, good luck today. Stay green. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.